Good afternoon, everyone. We're here for a really special edition of Girl Pundits. First of all, we've got a guy. David Murray is joining us, but we do have a really cool girl pundit too, Kate Royko. Um, we're here for a special edition. We are going to wine and opine, and I don't know if you can see the signature on the back of the wine glass, but it says Joe Biden and Jill Biden because we are talking about the inauguration today. We're talking about words and the power of words. And of course you can't do that without talking about the inaugural speech. So I have two people who are very expert in communications here today. And I'm gonna actually let them introduce themselves because it puts less work on me. And after all, who knows more about David Murray than David Murray? Nobody. Uh, hi, hi, Kitty. Thanks for having me. Uh, nice to be here. And thanks for inviting me to Girl Pundits. It's the first time I've been on this show. Um, and I hope it's not the last. Um, I am the, um, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm from Chicago. Um, and I've, I've been a Chicago writer for about 20 years. I'm also the uh, executive director and convener of the Professional Speechwriters Association, which is the global association of uh, all the professional speechwriters in the world um, of all different kinds. Um, and I'm also the editor and publisher of a magazine that goes back to 1934 called Vital Speeches of the Day. So that's why I think you're having me on. Girl I was going to say, I bet my viewers and listeners will now know why I'm having you on putting today. two and two together. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, the, gonna... I'm the speech guy. Great. Kate Royko is also joining us. Kate, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I can. Thank you for having me, Kitty. It's my first time on any podcast at all. So this is really cool for me. Um, I'm a fiction writer. I'm currently working on my first fantasy novel, dark fantasy novel called Witchhaven. Uh, I'm doing, I'm I'm a fellow with Carthalampia Worldwide at the moment, which is why I'm here and I'm very happy. Um, and I'm starting my own business, which is really cool, uh, called Royco Literary Services, where I get to help upcoming and smaller authors get their works publicized and published. Uh, and I used to be, speaking of communication, I used to be the community coordinator at Barnes & Noble when I worked downtown. And I am from Chicago as well. I've been here most of my life and I don't think I would live anywhere else. Well, we have a rich history of words here in Chicago, but we're gonna put our focus today on Washington, DC. Um, for those of you who follow me on social media, you might have a hint already that I like Joe Biden and I like Dr. Jill Biden. And I'm very excited about having an educator in the White House. But I've, I've worked with Joe Biden since about 2008. I've heard him give a lot of speeches. I have my opinion on how the speech was today, but I would like to toss it first to David Murray, who, as you heard, is a little bit of an expert on speeches and on political speeches. David, what did you think overall of the inauguration speech? Well, first of all, I uh, am very curious to hear your opinion as well. And I expect and hope that I will hear that um, Oh, on this. Know. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Especially depending on what I say. But I've, I've, I, you know, I saw the speech, I took in the speech, we're all, it's, it, you know, 
it's hard to it's hard to really uh, separate myself as a speech analyst from from being an American citizen right now. And that that whole spectacle and that whole scene, you know, my wife was quietly sniffling and crying the entire time next to me. I, you know, I kept like trying to avert my eyes because I'm trying to. So, um, you know, it was a moment today. So it's, it's really hard to, to separate it and you won't get a, a cold analysis in general. I thought it was a sunny, happy, wonderful day and a pretty sunny, uh, considering the, the situation that, that he's in, a pretty sunny speech. I didn't think anything, you know, one of the things that I love about Joe Biden is that he's a, he says the expected things. Uh, that's, what, that's what we want our leaders to do. We want our leaders to say the things that they're supposed to say. And he did that today, I think. Um, I think he made a really heartfelt uh, attempt uh, to talk to the other side. Um, and I think he made a, I think he, you know, within the bounds of his personality and his tradition and who he is, I think he, I think he went about it as far and in, in almost as much in, in emoting and in, and in really looking the, the audience in the eye. Uh, I think he did it about as good a job as he could to, to really convince Americans that he that he truly loves us all and and thinks we all should love each other. I mean, I th I think he did pretty well with that. So that's that's the kind of general impression that I was left with after the speech. I have a few more specific things to say, but yeah. we'll we'll get into that. Kate, what um what about you? What were your overall impressions? You know, I think David kind of said a lot of the things I was going to say. Is that it felt like he cared, like he wanted. The change to happen that hopefully moving forward we're going to see a lot of uh but at the same time i don't know you know i read david's blog post so maybe this is why i'm a little influenced <laughs> by uh by david already but just it felt like i had heard this before but it felt good like it felt good hearing a president speak again after four years and i think especially for someone who's in the millennial generation this was really big so that's you know, that's what i wanted to hear from good. you and from people younger than you mm -hmm. like a was anybody listening and b if they were you know were they clearly they aren't hearing the same thing that i'm hearing because I have heard a lot of this speech before, um, <laughs> literally yeah, before, yeah. as Joe Biden would say, literally heard lots of this speech <laughs> before. Um, but, but tell me, like, as a young person, and how do you think other young people would hear it? You know, so... I will say, uh, to be perfectly honest, for me, it was half and half. It was like, okay, we've heard this before, but you have to make good on what you're saying. And then the other part of me was like, finally, yes, we're here. We have, you know, we've got a president again. And I think it's going to be the same. It's going to be divided among my generation and the generation younger than me that like, yay, we've got someone who's not, you know, going to instill fear in people and anger and hate. But then we also there's the other half that's going to go, okay, but we're not letting up yet. Like we're going to bully Biden into doing, you know, whatever we want which, or try to, you know, but. Which is awesome. Yeah. I, uh, my <laughs> overall impression, I was just so happy. I remember four years ago that I, you know, it, it was the inaugural. I am a dyed in the wool Democrat, but I'm also willing to give people a chance especially because I know leadership is hard, because I know public office is hard. I was totally 
willing to give him a chance, but he scared the crap out of me with that American carnage speech because I was like, what are we dealing with here? This is not only is the substance wrong, the style's wrong, and the I alone can fix it kind of rhetoric. And I was so relieved by the smallest things in the Biden speech when he talked about we and us and together we can bring back America. I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, Trump's Trump's speech was absolutely it's, it's almost hard to compare to it with this. It, it was it was an absolutely ridiculous speech. Uh, Napoleon said that a leader is a dealer in hope. That's what leaders but, deal but in. Trump, you know, I've read things that Trump has said about that speech, mm-hmm. and he thought that that was hopeful. He thought that was hope. <laughs> oh no! Scares me even more. Well, you know, I because I you know we we talked about this uh, another day, but. Um, Kitty, but you know, I was at the Republican National Convention speech, and yeah. I I realized I realized fully there that this guy was describing the country as an absolute wasteland. I mean, he was describing describing the country as just this place of just you know the carnage and, and a wasteland, and just it was an absolute nightmare out there everywhere you went. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Yeah, I'll fix it." Well, he calls that hope, <laughs> whereas Biden actually inherits a country that could is kind of a wasteland i mean we we really are dealing with famine and we are dealing with economic disaster and we're dealing with environmental disaster don't forget the pandemic yeah and trump and trump didn't even acknowledge the the environmental stuff that that biden's talking about so biden actually is inheriting that and and he described the difficulty of the situation uh but he didn't he didn't describe it in overly graphic terms because we didn't need that and he said we together not i alone we together can solve it and that's what leaders are supposed to do that that was what really struck me the other thing that in really hit in my ears was his emphasis on truth that we need to get back to truth and facts and while i think that was based I think that was not only to his base and to the Republican base, but I think it was also a shout out to the media. I think he was saying to the media, facts matter, truth matters. You're gonna have somebody in the White House who's going to talk to you and let you know what's going on. And we're not gonna deal in these Fictions and what did he talked about the lies that um, the lies that were told for power and for profit. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. phrase really struck me. And he actually said, "I'll always level with you." And you know, Jimmy Carter said that. Um, he said, "I'll never lie to you." Um, and and that's a. I don't think all presidents have said that. And um, th- that was a real a real signal. No, and and I will tell you. You know, I've, tra- I've been lucky enough to travel and do what we call in the political world advance, which means when Joe Biden goes somewhere, I go somewhere a few days before and help put together the events and the meetings and the media and get everything all ready. And 
I have heard joke of a lot of speeches. I have heard a lot of the same themes and even the same words again and again, because that is his core message. And especially on this campaign, where his message was that it was our mission and in fact, our duty to save the soul of America. David, you have a book coming up that's called, um, I wanna get the title exactly right. So I'm <laughs> gonna read it off my cheat sheet. Effort to understand hearing one another and ourselves in a nation cracked in half. Do you think that President Joe Biden's today, I love saying that President Joe Biden's speech did anything toward moving us to a nation that, and healing any of our cracks? I mean, I really felt the attempt there. I felt, um, you know, there was there was some really personal language. What I talk about a lot in my book is that, you know, we can, we can complain about Fox News and we can complain about, you know, the, the, the honesty or dishonesty of politicians. But as American citizens, one of the things that we can do is be much, much better to ourselves or to each, to each other by being, I, I, think, I think we can be easier and, and more um, empathetic with each other if we're a little harder on ourselves, actually. Um, and so I, so Biden's language, and I wrote down a few, uh, I copied in a few paragraphs that, that really resonated with me. He said, hear one another. This is really pretty personal stuff for, for, a, for a president to be saying uh, from, from the rostrum. Uh, hear one another, see one another, show respect to one another. Uh, politics doesn't have to be a raging fire destroying everything in its path. Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for a total war. Um, if we show a little tolerance and humility, if we're willing to stand in the other person's shoes, as my mom would say, just for a moment, stand in their shoes. I just think, you know, does that sound like naive advice? I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think it is naive advice. If we think that's naive, what are we expecting? Who, are, how are we expecting to start getting along better if we, if we are simply unwilling to, to, to try to figure out what's going on with one another? So my book is an effort to understand, and I think this Just is entirely to consistent. And each other politically, or in every way. Like I think that um, I think that. We, 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 we find ourselves in this place where we really just go, we, we do a lot of hedge shaking to each other. We do it, we do it with comments online. We do a lot of dismissing people. We, I'll never understand that person. We are almost self-righteous about how impossible it could possibly be for me to understand someone who would think a thing like that. Well, that person was born in the same country you were born in. Uh, when they were two, year old, two years old, they weren't Trumpers. Like, what happened here? And if you, if you think it's not your responsibility to, to try to figure out, not to try to reason with every single person, but to try to figure out why someone could come to a different, such a different point of view as you, as you without assuming that they're the spawn of evil. If you're not willing to do that, then you're not really going to be a very productive citizen in a country this divided. And so I think that's what Biden was trying to tell people to do. And my book tries to find kind of imaginative ways to, to show each other, to, to show readers how that works and how we, how we can do that better. Kate, do you think the, um, I'm going to say some feisty words here, sorry. Um, do you think the cancel culture generation is ready to hear a message about trying to understand one another? 
or are they still so pissed off at the world that they don't want to understand each other? Oh gosh. You know, again, I think it's divided. I think it's really one of those things. Cause I personally don't care for cancel culture. I really, you know, I think it started when Kathy Griffin got canceled for mm-hmm. what she did. And I found it ridiculous compared to what came, you know, what ensued, but um, I don't know. I think, I think for me personally, it's already hard to understand how some of, you know, Trump supporters think if we're going that route, but also I, I really want to understand people. And I know there are quite a few who are like me. Even if you, you like can't understand them, do you think it's a worthwhile personal and societal venture to try to understand them? I think so. Yeah, because David's right. How did they get this way? No one is born, you know, no one's born evil. No one's born, you know, with these ideals. You, you get them put on you by your parents or by people around you. You learn from the world around you. So, yeah, I think it really is our duty to find out why. I mean, I'll go one farther. I'll go one farther than that. I think one of the ways that we get that, that they get that, that put on them is because they get sneered at and dismissed. But, you know, they're always talking about the liberal elite. Well, and we always think, oh, who's that? People Mm -hmm. at Harvard. It's, it's people who, if you look at the the posts you see on social media uh, by your friends, our friends who are posting, you know, flush the turd, who are posting just all Mm -hmm. these things about Trump, and they're posting it with the idea that nobody from Trump land, nobody, nobody conservative ever sees those. They're never going to see it. Yeah. Well, you know what? They are seeing it. And they, they hate it just as much as we hate being called libtards or whatever they call us. It's enraging. And it's if no you fair. tell somebody that they're selfish and that they're racist and that just because they voted for a certain president that they're, they're just the scum of the earth, you know what? It's going to be easier for them to be the scum of the earth because then to, then to win you over. That's true, because then you give them the opening, really, right? And you're you're absolutely right. And I know that in my head. It's just hard sometimes. And it's hard opening a dialogue. I'm totally down with everybody having their own opinion. If you think that, you know, you hate it when it's a 70 degree day in the summer and you think that's the most awful thing. Okay, great. That's your opinion. But if you think that 32 degrees is not the temperature of freezing, then like we have a problem. When we can't agree on facts, this is where I've had such a communication. That's a separate problem. And it's a terrible, scary one that I... I don't think I address that very much in the book because I don't think it's a communication problem. I think it's a, I don't know what it is. But I was very excited to hear Biden even mention it, yeah. hear Biden even say it out loud that we have to get to the same truth. Yeah. Because I think especially with what we saw on January 6th with the insurrection at the Capitol, I mean, clearly those people believe the QAnon stuff. They actually yeah. Yeah. believe that Trump won the election. They believe that ballots were stolen, no matter how many times we could go through the logic with them of, here's how the ballots were counted. Here's who counted them. This is the process that happens in every election. It just didn't matter. Yeah, it was good that he listed it as, as one of the problems. It wasn't like something that's 
not letting us solve the other problems. He's like, this is one of the problems we have to solve. And I don't think any of us really know how to solve it, but listing it is the first step. Yeah, I guess it's naming it. You know, when yeah. you're scared of something, name it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he, there was something else that happened with words during the inauguration today. There was a young woman who read a poem. There were some powerful words going on there. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? First off, I was not expecting. I, you know, I really did not read up on what was going to be happening at the inaugural. I really should have. But to see the the words poet laureate on television and have this beautiful, talented girl walk out and the poem itself, I have to, you know, I'm going to look at my own cheat sheet here. That's okay. I wrote down half of the audience won't even know because we're a podcast but some of them will watch it on video so I guess we have to be truthful in our communication yeah that's right we're we're, we're never gonna lie to you here on on girl what is what is it called girl pundits pundits. never lie on girl pundits pundits. take it from me transparency girl pundits with a guy with a guy guest You're the first guy. It's diversity and inclusion is what that That's is. Right. It's a new world. It's a new world. It's diversity and inclusion. So you, David Murray, the middle-aged white male, get I'm, to break our diversity. That's how strange the world is getting. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, have we given you enough time to... Met, you get, have. Okay, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this was right at the beginning of the poem, too. It says... And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose. That struck me. I mean, everything in that poem was amazing. The fact that she wrote that so quickly too, after right after the events that happened at the Capitol. Yeah. That it's so apparent that we are far from a perfect nation. This is true. And we should never try to strive to be perfect. We just have to strive to be human and change the things that are hurting our citizens. And her going through that, I can't, it's more emotional than I can put into words because that was my moment of crying, listening to that. And I get emotional now thinking about her it. because words so were powerful. Her words powerful. were powerful. And you're right. She was young and wise beyond her years. But also I cheated a little bit and read on Twitter that she had hung out a lot at the library. And that just did my heart good because I was I was a library urchin myself. So a girl after my me, own heart. It made me very happy. Um, but words do matter. And I think her words, if we can amplify them and let other people hear them that maybe weren't paying attention today or weren't watching today. Um, I think they do give power to positivity and power to patriotism in a way that is completely at odds with the faux patriotism that we saw on January 6th. You know, those people that broke into the Capitol, those were not patriots, those were traitors. And they honestly should be charged with treason. They tried to bring our government down. They tried to hurt our elected officials. They tried to kill our elected officials and her actions in the opposite to talk about the power of our country and the power of patriotism, I thought was extremely, extremely moving. It's, you know, it's the message of hope. 
once again, we feel, or at least I feel the same kind of hope I felt back in 2008 in high school, watching Barack Obama get elected, which, and, you know, it just felt like something I've got a future again. was all. And like, I think, you know, not every political speech can be like that. Not, but I think this is the day for it, David. I mean, aren't we supposed to have a little hope on inauguration today at least? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the thing I'm taking away from, from this day was just the beauty of it, the, the physical beauty of the day. It was the sky, did you see how beautiful that sky was? I couldn't believe like, how sunny it was. It was like, it was like so, you know, it was like- Point of, point of personal privilege, um, one of the people in charge of all the visuals for the inaugural and for all of Biden's stuff. And last night, he um, was somebody I trained from his very first trip doing advance for Biden. I was going to say, the, did you do the advance on the sky? That's I wish I could have been a part of today, although yeah. it was very nice to watch it from my couch. Yeah. But um, I trained him when he was a young advance guy. And like his first four trips, they kept putting him on motorcade, which means you're literally in charge of like finding the volunteer drivers and lining up all the cars and putting people in the cars. It's not a creative job. Yeah. But I kept telling him, you know, like, Ari, if you do this and you do a good job and people like you and see that you do a good job, you'll move up. Don't worry. So I keep telling him in the week. I haven't talked to him this week because he's been a little busy. Yeah. But in the weeks leading up, I would say, like, Ari, aren't you glad you stuck with those motorcade trips? <laughs> <laughs> learned what you needed to learn. Yeah. I, so I just, I, you know, I felt like the day was, the day was gorgeous. Uh, the, the, the whole presentation was gorgeous. I think Joe Biden got up there and said what we expected Joe Biden to say. And I think that is so important. <laughs> I think you know? it was what more than what we expected him to say, what we needed him to say. Yes. You know, and what we, we expected all needed him to say. that. Yeah collective sigh of relief. And I do hope that some of the people who voted for Trump were watching and listening. I do hope that. And I know Joe Biden enough that when he says he wants to reach out and be the president for all Americans, he means that. And that was the one thing that no matter if I even mildly liked a Trump policy, I can honestly say that President Trump never tried for one day to be president of all the Americans. He thought his job was to be president of his base. And he targeted his words to his base. And I think that was some of what made the rest of us so crazy because we couldn't hear even if he was saying something we wanted to hear, we couldn't hear it because of the words he was using and the way he was targeting toward that small piece of America, which are the Trump voters. Yeah, I think I think if I had to sum up the difference between, uh, I I think that I think that I think you asked me, you know. Did, did did Joe Biden touch people's souls today? Because I was I was hoping Joe Biden would touch people's souls. I'm not sure if, how many souls he touched, uh, but I think he calmed a lot of nerves today. And I think that you know we we in the speech writing business want to do everything with one speech, but sometimes with one speech you just you say what what needs to be said, 
And then you say that over and over and over again. The reason you've heard this speech a thousand times is that this is Joe Biden's message. He's not yeah. he didn't have a new thing to say today. He had the he had the his stuff to say in this eloquent and, and heartfelt way as he could. And I thought it was great. And and he'll continue to say that stuff. And as long as that stuff matches what he manages to pull off. Um, as long as I mean, he's now got to execute on some pretty heavy duty things. And if he keeps saying things that, you know, I, I say in the book that our words, we think our words are, are everything. Our words are just captions to what we do. And and to, to the extent that our words match what we do, people say that person has integrity. That person is that I, I believe what that person says. And I think, you know, if Biden can can get off to a really solid start um, in six six months from now, he's given the same speech. And we believe him because he's been doing this stuff. So that's what I'm hoping. Kate, do you think what Biden said today or what Amanda Gordon said today, do you think anything that was said today will give people hope who are younger, maybe just coming out of school, spent the last semester in COVID Zoom, are trying to get a job or are doing you know, Instacart on the side to try to get a job. Do you think it'll give those people hope? Do you think it'll do anything for the people who are really suffering during this pandemic? Mm. For the people who are really suffering, I I think it, I hope it gives them some semblance of hope, but, you know, it's hard for me to put myself in their shoes because I think a lot of those people are really angry and even with a new president and with, you know, hopeful prospects of the future, it's hard to really have hope. But I, I'd say majority, I think, especially Amanda Gorman's poem is going to give a lot of people hope, especially my generation. Um, I hope everybody watches her. She I really was not only beautiful words, but she presented it so well. And she's, beautiful this was yeah, uniformly the best president. dressed crew oh my god her oh my god. right we, uh, we had the best dressed group and the most talented group this is why some days it's good to be a democrat we definitely <laughs> have more dressed in clothes and better entertainers yeah lady gaga j-lo yeah Garth Amanda Brooks. Gorman. I think I might have gotten her name wrong one time when I said it before, and I apologize, Amanda. I hope I get to meet you someday, and I'll confess that I got Me you too. wrong. Um, but her hair was fabulous. Her beautiful gold jacket was amazing. And the other thing, you talked about the sky before, David. I had a moment of panic when it started to snow a little bit yeah. in the like, first hour of the inaugural. It's like, oh my God, it's going to be that horrible Washington sleet. It's going to be horrible. But no, it turned out that Amy Klobuchar came out and frightened the snow away. So we were all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, so it was we're all good. Well, this has been a really great discussion about words and the power of words. And here on Girl Pundits, we just want to keep things talking. Hopefully you'll check this out on the podcast. Look at my Facebook page. If you want to yell at me on my Facebook page, you can do it. I might yell back, but I'm going to try and read David's book in an effort to understand. And I'm going to try to have a more civil discussion from now on. David, can, do you have any last words for the Girl Pundit listeners slash viewers? Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know. 
David, that I was a way of a communicator it. putting you on the spot, Kate. Don't fall. Oh. That, that, David, exactly. Do you have any last words? No, I, I'm just going to go back to what I to what I'm have been saying, which is Joe Biden, be boring, be trustworthy, be 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 rock solid. Keep your mask on and keep doing what you're doing. Trust. I hope that trust will build. Um, and, and as he, the one thing he did say today, which which I did was interesting and I haven't pointed out was he basically acknowledged that we're not going to get everyone on board this unity idea. Yeah. But he said yeah. enough. And uh, and I actually pointed that out in my post. You know, enough. Enough of us can pull pull all the rest of us along, and that's really what we're going for. And so the extent that he can you know, win trust from, from another 10 or 15 or 20% of, of, of Americans. I think that makes a huge difference. David, and, and, yeah. David, I know we can't read your book until March, but where can we read your blog post if we can't wait for the book? Well, you can pre-order the book at amazon.com or anywhere you buy your books. Just, just type in an effort to understand. And, and my name, David name Murray, again? David Murray. Yep. And an effort to understand and you can pre-order it. My blog is at Writing Boots and I write about this this stuff every Not single day. Writing Boots. Writing. Not writing. Boots. No, Writing Boots. Writing Boots. W-R-I-T-I-N-G hyphen boots.com. And I, I blog there every day on these issues. And Kate, if somebody is an aspiring writer and needs a little help getting started, where can they find you? So they can find me on Facebook at Royco Literary Services and on Twitter at Royco Literary. And if you DM me, I can start you, you know, get that publishing going or the publicizing going specifically. Can you help with writer's block? I can actually, I have a lot of ways to help with writer's block. Uh, a lot of might different be, That might be the thing that should be like at the top of your list of services. We'll it see. should be. Just know that my writing process is nothing anyone should ever try. It's so all over the place. You know, I think we'll we'll have you guys back maybe with a couple other writers one day to just talk about writing processes because I find it so interesting. Everybody has a different thing that works for them. So we'll get some of our other author friends. And I would love to do that. And I've got theories about writer's block. And one of the theories is that there is no such thing. And so we can talk about that with some other writers and that could be fun. Do it to ourselves. Absolutely. Thanks again yes. <laughs> for joining us here on Girl Pundits. And I'm going to say goodbye so I can go drink a little more wine hey. and opine. Here's, here's, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah. I really didn't belong here. I know that. And I really appreciate being here, Kitty and, and Kate. Great to see you. Yes, well, thank, thank you, you so much. much for having me on. And, and David, thank you, as Kevin Lampy, for engineering and for cutting us off, not only at the bar, but on the podcast. <laughs> Good night, folks. Bye. Good night.